0: Into 1043 The Fans Coffee Break. Rachel V. Hill, Jake Shapiro, hanging out with you on this Thursday. We've got a fun packed show for you guys. DMAC was down at Ball Arena. He's going to hopefully hop on and provide us some updates once he gets back to 1043 The Fans, like Home Ground, their station. And then we're going to have Will join in and we're going to put Will and Jake to the test with some trivia on baseball that the same program the Denver Broncos use. So we've got a fun show for everybody. So thanks for hanging out with us on this Thursday, Jake. How
1: are you? Good. I mean, trivia questions. I had to wear my baseball hat that has the trivia question mark on it. Um, so I'm, re- I'm ready for some baseball trivia.
0: I love it. I know you're a big baseball guy, so we're definitely going to have a lot of fun with it. But we have to start with the main breaking news coming out today. Darcy Kemper is officially out for tonight. Pablo Frantos will be in the net for the Avalanche as They take on the Oilers in the Western Conference Finals. So, we kind of thought that this was coming Jake, but it wasn't official until just about 15 minutes ago I want to say, but it's official. Francois in the net for Darcy Kemper tonight. What, what's yeah. your main reaction?
1: Um my main reaction is a little bit of worry, you know. Um mm-hmm. you look at what we know about Pavel Francois and I don't think anyone thinks he's as good of a goalie as Darcy Kemper, right? Like we all think, Pavel Francouz maybe can get the job done. There is points during Philip Grubauer's time here where I actually thought Francouz was a better goalie. I would venture to say that he's probably more talented. At the end of the day, he couldn't just stay on the ice because he got hurt. Um, but Kemper's better than Francouz. I think Kemper is a guy who can steal you games. I think Kemper's the guy that would lead this team to the cup. Now that second period where Francouz stopped eleven of twelve shots in game one was really impressive, but then he allowed two on the next 11. So, or two on the next nine or something like that. So he's up and down. He's a little shaky. Will kind of mentioned this the other day that it looks like he's trying to do too much. He's trying to slide all over the ice. Well, there's this baseball player. His name was Jim Edmonds in the, in, in the early 2000s. And he'd always be on Center for diving catches. And me and my buddies would start to question and joke was like, did he really need to dive here or did, was he just trying to look cool? And part of me wonders that with Franzos and Rachel, you and I have talked about this in hockey. Almost all of the goals this time of year come off of rebounds, come off of screens in front of the net. You have to get the move, goalie moving laterally. You have to throw bodies at him. And I don't know that Franzos can handle that. He's also a little bit smaller than Philip Grubauer, so, yeah, you, you talk about Franzos, who's been a career backup, who really has not had consistent playing time over his career, being thrown in here for a massive game two in Colorado when they lost game two at home in the last series against the best player in the world in Connor McDavid and an Oilers team that just scored six goals. Uh, so, yeah, I'm a little worried.
0: You have every right to be. Jared Bednar did say in his press conference, too, that they have all the faith in Francis. He played well in that Nashville series when he had to come in for Darcy Kemper as well. So there's hope. Really, when you look at the stats between both of them two out of game one, really they kind of almost played at the same level, right? Like there's nothing huge that stands out to me. We talked about this yesterday on coffee break, but pretty much any save percentage below a nine is not exactly what you want to see. So they're kind of both right on par with each other.
1: Yeah. And that's something that plays out over the course of a, of a season, not over one game because you can kind of tell which goalies facing some of the tougher shots, but it was quite clear in that game that they weren't on the same level. Kemper was worse in that game than Pavel Frantzos. Frantzos was better uh, two nights ago than, France, uh, than, than Kemper. So, yeah, I mean, Darcy, Darcy, who knows if he was actually playing injured, though, because he did seem to come out in a weird time that wasn't like something just happened. So there's a high chance that Darcy's performance was impacted, if not heavily impacted by struggling not to see the puck, which like I just said about the only way you're scoring on goalies in the postseason is if you're taking away their ability to see the puck. Well, one way is obviously screening the goalie. Another is gouging his eyes out, apparently. So uh, yeah, I mean, we're talking about under nine save percentages. Darcy's save percentage in that game was almost under eight. Mm -hmm. Uh, So yeah, Darcy was not good the other night. And there also is this thing with, you know, what we saw in this Miami Heat-Boston Celtics series, and it plays out every single postseason, where it's like one of your better consistent players is hurt. Is that player at 80 or 90% better than this backup that you have? And where is the line in the tipping point of trust? And it seems tonight like... It's going towards Franzos because maybe Darcy's health has maybe gotten a little bit worse than it was just a week or so ago. And you look at some of the things the Oilers did in that game one, we talked about their fast play, but we didn't really mention much of their physical play and they completely out hit the avalanche in game one. Granted it's because they didn't have the puck much. So that's going to happen, but they got towards the net and they forced a couple times, uh, shot one off Darcy's mask. I think Darcy had to take off his mask after a collision at one point point. And guess what? Maybe that rattled quite literally his cage and affected his eye. So mm-hmm. we, we, we said this on Avalanche Chase off two days ago, Rachel. We were going to see the backup bullies in this series. We saw them instantly. And now it's up to the Avs backup bully to take them to a Stanley Cup.
0: Uh, I've been so worried about Darcy and what we were going to see from him but have we heard who's going to be the or in the net for the Oilers tonight can you do a quick little check to see if it is going to be Mike Smith because they obviously pulled him out in game one so that will kind of also play into it right or is it going to be backup versus backup or are we going to see a starter versus backup in France so we will have to wait and see unless you've got any info.
1: It seems the Oilers reporters are inferring that it's a strong indication that Mike Smith will go tonight. So we won't actually know until just about before face-off, but Mike Smith is probably their goalie. Uh, I mentioned this two days ago, but Nico Koskinen was actually their starter in the regular season. He got pulled for Mike Smith during their first playoff series. And Mike Smith took the reins and had a great game seven in round one. And then the battle for Alberta, the the Oilers won definitively. So, yeah, Mike Smith has been the better goalie this postseason. And and this is kind of one of the things we've talked about, too, Rachel, before, where Mike Smith didn't necessarily play all that awful in game one. He wasn't good, but he wasn't all that awful. A lot more of them pulling Mike Smith had to do with settling down the game getting a free timeout out of it and saying, hey, we're not going to use this guy if you guys aren't going to play for him, if you guys aren't going to be stronger, if you guys aren't going to actually focus in on defense. And guess what? After they pull Mike Smith, the Oilers completely turned that game around. They only allowed one more goal in the game uh, before the empty netter.
0: We will see. Again, we're hoping DMAC is going to join us. He is currently traveling from Ball Arena to the 104.3 station, so hopefully he's going to hop on with us, tell us anything else that he saw while he was out there for morning skate. But let's talk a little bit about the Broncos. They're obviously in week two of OTAs. Lots of moving parts. We're hearing from lots of different players. We're hearing from Nathaniel Hackett. So yesterday was day five, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, day five of OTAs for the Bronco. and our very own Andrew Mason has a little recap on
2: the day. take a listen hi there folks andrew mason for denverfan.com at 104.3 the fan here at broncos headquarters after another day of otas we didn't see them on the field today it was closed to the media but we did hear from two players tim patrick on the offensive side baron browning on the defensive side tim patrick talked about the impact of russell wilson of course there's a different standard of excellence around here but also said there's a different standard in terms of how often they're meeting Meetings, 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 he said. He even noted that he needed to get the press conference over with because he could get to another meeting, meetings of the offense, meetings with Russell Wilson, that there is a lot that they're trying to install and get down, and those meetings are playing a huge part in that. He also said that the offense, one of the things he likes about it is that on a given play, He's got five routes he can run, and it's hard for the defense to judge that. It says it's going to put pressure on the opposing cornerbacks. On the defensive side, Baron Browning, really interesting offseason for him, moving from inside linebacker to outside linebacker. He knows that it's a move that he welcomed, that he wanted, even though it kind of pushed him down the depth chart a little bit. Of course, he played outside linebacker at Ohio State. Jonathan Cooper, fellow Buckeye, also there in the room, likes what he's doing. said there's a little bit of an adjustment as you're getting used to going against the tackle rather than going against the guard, getting the second level. So, when you're an inside linebacker, you have the defensive lineman in front of you on the edge. You don't have that. Something he told me off to the side uh, afterward. But he seems to be doing well. Had a good day of practice yesterday, I thought. I thought He's really getting back into the groove of being on the edge. You can see the first step coming really quickly. It's just a question of where playing time is going to be for him in a deep room. But so far, so good for Baron Browning. Likes what he's doing transition-wise. And it looks like, based on what Nathaniel Hackett said Monday, he's going to be at the edge to stay. That's it from here at UCL Training Center for DenverFan.com. I'm Andrew Mason. Thanks for watching.
0: I always mute myself and never fails, Jake. But we love hearing from Andrew Mason. And Tim Patrick, like he mentioned, also spoke to the media yesterday. And he says a few things that actually kind of interest me. So we'll go ahead and take a listen, and then we'll break down what he says.
3: It's it's an everyday thing. I got to go to a meeting right after this. So we got to hurry this up. But uh, it's uh, it helps because, like, like you guys know, the, the offense is difficult. And is just the regular routine practice is not going to be enough for us to get it down packed. So we got to do things on our own so we could get it because we don't want to be one of those teams to make excuses new coach, new quarterback, new offense, and we don't get going to the end of the year. We want, we want to come out the gate firing on all cylinders because this, this this is Super Bowl bust this year. So you have like, team meetings and meetings with Russ? Everybody? Team meetings with Russ, team meetings with each other, meetings, meetings, meetings. There's a lot, trust so, me.
0: We will bring in our very own Will Peterson, too, because we can discuss this with him. But two things that really stand out to me. One, Super Bowl or bust. He's right off the gate. Will, thanks so much for hopping on with us today. So, yeah, we hear Super Bowl, Super Bowl or bust. Then we also hear about how many meetings they're in. They're in so many meetings. And really, you expect NFL players to be in a lot. But it seems like this year it's probably double or triple the amount of meetings that they saw last year, which kind of just feeds off of, you know, how we saw the intensity go. Will, what was your biggest takeaway from Tim Patrick?
3: Yeah, it's just that he's not shying away from the Super Bowl talk, right? Like, it's easy when uh, it's June 1st to talk about the Super Bowl. But if anyone said that stuff when it was Teddy Bridgewater or Drew Locke, people just thought they were crazy when you have russell wilson now it feels like okay are the broncos gonna go to the super bowl probably not because the odds say they won't the afc is stacked it's loaded and uh i'm not gonna sit here and say oh go bet on that but at the same time when you have russell wilson who's played in two super bowls he's clearly already instilled in guys like tim patrick's head hey this is the expectation and let's be honest tim patrick he's never even made the playoffs so to go from Playoffs, to Super Bowl would be a big leap, but when you have a player like Russ, I guess you can do that.
0: Jake, when you listen to that, what's kind of your main takeaway?
1: I think if you gave any NFL player truth serum, they'll tell you Super Bowl or bust. Like, they're all (laughs) playing to win a championship every single year, so that's not surprising, Um, and I don't think that putting voice to those expectations is that out of bounds because, It's true. Like, that's what we expect this year. I'm sure that's what internally they expect as well. It's not just uh, chatter, right? Uh, And you you talk about all the meetings that are surprising. Rachel, we have so many meetings every day. Like, it's just a workplace thing. It's meetings, meetings, meetings. That's what we do.
0: You're you're definitely not wrong. We do have quite a few meetings, quite a few conversations that go on with all of us to discuss everything going around. But one of the interesting things too, and we're going to switch back to ads here in a quick second and we'll come back to more Broncos because DMac is here with us now. And we obviously want to get the 411 on everything that went down at Ball Arena, but we are going to have a little bit fun. And like I mentioned earlier on the show, play a trivia game. So I definitely do want you guys to stick around, grab another phone, whatever you have next to you but DMAC, i know you're out at the office now how are you what's the latest darcy kemper is out
4: darcy is out so it'll go uh frankie pavel uh francos will start and uh eustace ananen is the backup goaltender which makes hunter misca the emergency backup goaltender i got it covered for you top to bottom uh burkowski was not out on the ice today in morning skate and Jared Bednar would not remark uh, specifically what's going on there, but he did come out of the game briefly in game one as he uh, blocked a shot with his foot. That looked pretty painful. He came back into the game, but perhaps there's some, something lingering there. And Landis wasn't at the morning skate, but he often misses morning skates just as uh, precautionary sort of measures. So you have some big adjustments. You've got uh Fransose and um, we don't know what Burakovsky And there was some speculation that perhaps uh, Ryan Murray would see some time instead of Jack Johnson, for example. That appears to not be the case as uh, Murray was out doing extra ice time with McDermott and um, Sturm after the uh, morning skate was going on. So do not expect them to replace Jack Johnson with Ryan Murray. Whew, deep breath, and there you go. And still questions about who the Oilers are going to start in that, if they they go with um, uh, Mike Smith or not. I mean, he did have – I mean he did lose games for them game 1 against the Kings and game 1 against uh Calgary so I, I guess I think they would start Smith again with a pretty quick hook that's that's my guess so there you go big changes here in um game 2 of the Western Conference final
0: yeah, Jake, actually, we after we heard about Darcy Kemper, he went ahead and looked, and it seems like the Oilers media is saying Mike Smith is going to be a net okay. for them. So we'll wait to see on that one, too. Obviously, they're not going to give away a lot away when it comes to all this kind of stuff. But you mentioned Gabe Scott. This is pretty usual for him. He he even called it almost a superstition that he's not out at morning skate on game days.
4: Yeah, I, I wouldn't look at that whatsoever. It doesn't matter. It's all good. Um, w- what a compelling story is, is that Burakoski and Newhook were kind of switching on and off. And then they made a big line adjustment where it was um, Abe Kubel who went out and Newhook and uh, Burakoski played in the last game. So there's been constant tinkering with the lineup. It's not like things have just been set in stone and things have gone one way for the entire playoffs. There's been constant adjustment by Bednar. We even saw an adjustment on the top line in the last game and they're working power play today, so you don't get a good grip as to what the line combinations are actually going to be. But we'll see what they do. You know, anybody who plays with McKinnon gets a boost. So if you need to bring somebody up, you're playing with McKinnon and they tend to play better. And uh, Ranton got on the board, which was great to see. Um, Kushkin you know, is kind of an up-and-down sort of guy of late, although his talent is, is in, you know, incredible. So it'll be curious how they keep things going. And, and it's the same thing against Dreisaitl and McDavid. It's the same crap. You know, you got to stop them somehow, some way. And nobody's really been able to figure it out. Neither of the ass. So we'll see what kind of adjustments they make to that.
0: Gentlemen, either one of you have any questions? I don't want to be the only one.
3: Yeah, I mean, my, my biggest thing, Mac, is like the, the conversation has lingered. Well, can they win a cup without Kemper? Well, can they beat the Oilers without Kemper? What What are your thoughts on the, the vibe with Frankie having to go tonight?
4: I don't have a great vibe tonight, Will. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, the Oilers have bounced back in their second games of these series. I think things will tighten up. Jared Bednar said that today. He expects it to tighten up. Frankie is not as good of a goaltender as Darcy Kemper. You know, I'm, I'm not trying to you know shatter anybody's dreams here. And you know, uh, there's people that have been critical of Kemper. I'm just telling you, it's not some sort of incredible advantage. It's not an advantage. It's it's not an advantage having Francis in instead of Kemper. So you've got to overcome that. You don't become better because of it. And everybody knows that. So that's something you have to overcome. The problem maybe with Darcy Kemper. When he took that, and we are speculating about the eye injury, okay? That is, nobody officially has said that. I look at some of these reports out there, and although it may make a lot of logical sense, I'm not really sure what their sources are. Okay, perhaps, logically, that's what we're talking about. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, But Kemper's just been kind of mediocre. And he really, if you look at some of the analytics, he has not played as well, not even close, after the eye injury in Nashville uh, up until today. So you get to this weird, like, you know, how good are you hurt compared to how good the backup is? You know, where does that scale tilt? So they are better off with Kemper, but perhaps, perhaps, everybody, they are better off with Fransos at the level that Darcy's playing right now. And that's the weird juggling act. And that is why I did advocate for Fransos to start in front of Kemper in game six against St. Louis is I just thought Darcy needed a little bit of a break, not a benching. it's, It's not like quarterbacks in football, guys. It's not. Guys take a break for mental or physical whatever in hockey and come back and play. It is just not the same as being benched as a quarterback, not even close.
0: Jake, you got anything? Otherwise, I've got one more for Mac.
4: Go
1: ahead, Rachel.
0: Mac, who really needs to step up more tonight then? Does it need to be the offense? Do they need to put in 10 goals in the net? Or is it going to have to be the defense to go ahead and protect Francos?
4: Well, Andrew Cogliano spoke about it a little bit about less than an hour ago and just said – was asked about, (laughs) you know (laughs) – what is, what is your problem blowing all these multi-goal leads? If anybody's got to step up, it's got to be – see, it's hard to be critical of a team that scored eight goals, guys, in a playoff game. So, you know, what are you going to say about that? Not much. Um, what they've got to do is put the hammer down more often in terms of intensity, I guess in defensive intensity, if they do get, say, a two or a three-goal lead. I mean, this has been kind of ridiculous how teams have crept back in and, in and in game five against St. Louis beat the Avalanche after a significant lead. That should not happen. Um, and on the other side of the ice, other side of the coin, look what happened with the Rangers and Tampa. Who expected that yesterday? So listen, the Avs have a lot of good things here in their future if they can just sort of figure things out and not let teams back in. And I, I think that's the big mystery here. You know, I don't I don't know. I don't I think they're struggling to find out, well, why have we allowed this to happen and what the answer to it? I don't think it's that easy. I will tell you guys, though, the Avalanche have won games in all fashion this year. They've come from behind. They've come from behind in in, uh, multiple goal deficits. They've won in overtime. They've won close games. They've blown teams out. I mean, they have figured out ways to win up and down the board. So they are tested. Their experience, and I do have faith in them to win the series, but I am nervous about tonight. Big time nerves about tonight.
0: Well, I'm with you, DMAC. I am also nervous. I think I am going to be taking the Oilers here in game two. DMAC and I will both be down at Ball Arena. DMAC, I know you got a busy day too, so we will let you get on with your way. But thank you for taking some time to hop on with us today.
4: Okay, guys. Great to be here with you. Thanks, awesome. Darren. Thank you
0: so much. All right. So now it's just Jake. Will and myself back here. And the Denver Broncos, they're using a new strategy to test players. And that's something Nathaniel Hackett learned from his kids. So he actually had a statement while he was doing his press conference earlier this week. And James Palmer tweeted, Nathaniel Hackett continues to think outside the box of the first-time head coach. He saw his kids using the personalized trivia game, Kahoot. And now he's using the game to test his players on the new offensive system in a timed competition. So I figured... What a better way to do a Thursday, almost a trivia Thursday, than have my two baseball people hop on and we're going to do some baseball trivia. Gentlemen, how you feeling?
3: Uh, I, I, I don't know. how I'm a Rockies, like, Rocktober history guy. Overall baseball, I think Jake's going to get me. Well,
1: yeah, it's kind of my niche. But uh, Rachel, how, how is this game going to work? Do me or Will just blurt out our answer quicker than the other?
0: Oh, don't worry, gentlemen, Kahoot makes it easy for you. Honestly, I feel like we need to make this a series because so and anyone can join too. if you're watching and you want to hang out with us and play this with us, please jump on. So I'm going to actually share my screen over here real quick. And in a second, you will see. Here we go. Okay, so we're going to go classic mode so you both are going to get out your phones if you're watching too and you want to join pull out your phones and you're going to join kahoot.it so go to your web browser do that and then you're going to type in the pin that you see on the screen so it's 599-4220 All
3: right so i'm going to kahoot.it stand by so this is a lot like um did you guys play any of those games like during covid where you could play the interactive games with your friends
0: I did, like, I did.
3: Like when you couldn't go out, you know? It was like, okay, mm-hmm. well we can all sit on our couches and play together. So this is did similar any of to that. Can you play among so. us? What's that? Among, among us. us? A bit, yeah. Yeah. This Huge gives me quick lash vibes. Yep. Yes. Okay. Okay, okay. Will and Jake Shapiro and Timo are in.
0: Timo. Awesome. Thank you for hanging out with us. We're so excited. Again, if you would like to play, do some baseball trivia, go to Kahoot.it and then enter in the game pin five nine nine four two two zero. Again, this is all of our first time. So hopefully this can be a lot of fun. We'll give it about another minute or so if anyone else wants to join. Otherwise it's going to be the three of you battling it out. Oh, we got another one. Keep it going guys. I love it.
1: Will Give I really it a little bit more time for your sake or like, who did the rockies beat in game 163 in 2007.
3: Yes, that would be an easy one. Now, yeah. if you wanted me to, you know, name their 25-man roster in 07, I could probably get close on that too. So, that that's my that's my wheelhouse. If this is, you know, the 1972 Detroit Tigers, I might be in trouble.
1: Nobody remembers who scored that run on that sack fly better than Will Peterson. <laughs>
3: Well, if you don't know it was Matt Holiday, then you uh, you you didn't pay too much attention to the right.
1: <laughs> yeah, now, if you don't know that
3: Jamie Carroll hit the ball, there's you know there's another piece of trivia for you. So. But
1: Black is still upset about that, for the record.
3: Oh, <laughs> it doesn't shock me. He was the Padres manager. He was on the wrong side of it.
0: All right, we ready, guys. So here's how it's going to work. So you have to be able to see the screen up on, like on this screen, whatever you're watching on, and the question's going to appear. And then when you are actually doing it on your phone, it's going to have like different colors or different shapes. And that's how you choose your answer. So are we ready to go?
3: We're going to give it a shot.
0: Let's do it. Will's feeling extremely confident today, ladies and gentlemen.
3: All right. Oh, intermediate. Okay. Uh Uh-oh.
0: Which pitcher is the all-time leader in wins?
3: Oh, I see. Okay. Ugh. Do you really not know this? I mean, it's <laughs> one of two guys. I'm not going to give it away for everyone. Um, I think it's got to be this guy. Yeah.
0: All right, all right.
3: Now, we don't know who got it. Oh, there we go. Oh, you get, you get uh, speed, speed points. points. Right, but Jake and I both got it, but he gets speed points. I assume yep. that's why he has more. Huh.
0: Yep, yep. Yeah, no. got to be fast. So Cy Young won 511 games between 1890
1: and 1911. All right. Walter Johnson. Style. Where is the
0: National Baseball Hall of Fame located? I right, I got that one. One I'm not a baseball way. person, and I even knew this one, so I was proud of myself.
1: Good, good, good.
0: All right, Cooperstown, New York.
3: Hey, three for three. Good work, everyone. Timo joining the fun. I love it.
0: Love it. All right. True or false? Each team has a mascot. It's
3: a good question. I think it's a trick question.
1: You will see.
3: Also, Jake's not like talking along on these, it's kind of scaring
1: me.
2: He's trying to be
1: a silent killer over here. Hey, I got it right. That was actually pretty controversial. The New York Yankees would never have a mascot.
3: So how many teams don't have mascots then?
1: Uh, So the Cubs were one of the last not to have one. The White Sox just got one a few years back too. So I think it's probably down to like five or four. Okay. I know it's the Yankees are one of
3: them. Okay. Well, we're both three for three, Jake, but your speed is getting me so far.
1: Yep.
0: So three teams don't have an official mascot. The Yankees, the Dodgers, and the Angels. Just surprising with the Angels,
1: but, you know. It's very surprising with the Angels.
0: This is a picture of which famous course Field.
3: Oh, come
1: on. Oh, the Denver Post it says now. it's Coors Field. The Denver Post says it's course Field.
3: <laughs> they gave it away with that, that sign in the left. Once I wow. saw that sign. I, mean, I got it
1: by the light fixture as soon as the light fixture one. There each, you go. has different light fixtures. I, need, I, needed, the sicko, I needed the
3: Sitco sign.
0: All right. All right. Ooh, Will. You got the fire emoji.
3: I mean, I haven't missed, but Shapiro's got so much speed that I'm in trouble.
0: Fast clicking. Until all I right. get
1: overconfident and go too
3: quick. Yeah, I hope you miss one and I can beat you.
0: How many MLB teams are located in the state of California?
3: Oh, this feels like another trick question. See, I'm going to take my time on this one so I don't mess this up.
0: Also, Ron, in the comments, I'm so sorry you lost your connection. Thank you for playing. I hope you guys enjoy this kind of stuff. If you do, let us know in the comments, though. That way we continue going on with these types of trivia oh, moments. Oh,
3: missed it. Oh, no. Oh, I forgot the
1: Oakland A's. Gosh, darn it. That's the one to forget. Yep. And I'm wearing an A's jersey. And he's
3: wearing an Oakland A's shirt.
1: (laughs) Raleigh Fingers, A's jersey. I'm in my head
3: going Dodgers, Giants, Padres, Angels, and I type four, and I forget the A's, and Jake is wearing the A's shirt. Killer.
0: (laughs) Oh, man, Will. Oh, man. All right. There we go. All right. Quiz time. How many teams are in the National League?
3: God, I buzzed in quicker than Jake. That's the first one I got in quicker than him.
1: This changed like five years ago. Yeah, this I, I got to
3: give uh, Kahoot a
1: little bit of crap
3: here. Their answers should be, you know, they need to have 14 and 16 on the screen. Right. Mm. By, by going 15, 10, 12, and 20, it's like, well, think about it. If there's two leagues, just divide 30 in half. But. Jake's right. When the Astros moved, it was sixteen fourteen. They should have sixteen fourteen there to make it a little, little tougher.
0: Who is slacking on their baseball trivia, everybody?
2: Now you no, might I also be wondering
0: why been we really decided good. to.
3: It's been good. It's just that you know. Well, it's like if you're on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, the multiple choice is supposed to entice you to take the other ones,
0: throw you off a little. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. Ten of fifteen. Which team has won the most World Series?
3: And we have to type. Okay. Better type (laughs) fast.
1: Now, did we have to type the city? I'm not going to lie. I did just to be careful.
3: See, I didn't do the city. I just did the the team mascot.
1: Do you know who the the second most are?
3: Hmm. See, they didn't give green NY Yankees and yellow Yanks. Like, the spirit is all four of us. Got it. Yes. Yes.
0: Boom. Okay. Okay. 27 World Championships.
3: I assume two is the Cardinals, Jake? Uh, Cardinals
1: and Phillies are 2-3. Okay.
0: Which position hits for the pitcher during games played in American League ballparks?
1: Actually, National League ballparks, too. I was going to say, they need to redo this.
0: Kahoot is slacking everybody. But again, what I was saying is when I was looking up Kahoot, you know, I was like, oh, I wonder what kind of sports they have. Baseball is the only one that they have available that you do not have to actually be a complete member. Cause I just learned about this this morning, everybody. So, oh,
4: no, Kahoot, we're not, criticizing,
0: we're right, you. We're not
3: criticizing you. We're criticizing Kahoot that it's both leagues have a DH now, not just the AL. So
0: I got, don't worry. I'm not, I won't take anything personal, but I'm Okay, oh, yeah,
3: right. I hope you're not. Jake and I are just being snarky. Kind of what we I do. love it.
0: It's competition time. All right, everyone.
3: Yeah. I can't believe I missed the Oakland A's and I'm <laughs> out of this.
0: Who threw the only perfect game in postseason history?
1: Wow. Do you know this?
3: I have a gut. I, I'm going to go with my gut. I can't remember if it was a no-hitter or a perfect game.
1: It's one of the coolest stories in baseball history.
3: I don't know if you're locked in. It says there's only one answer.
1: No, I I locked in. Okay, I'm in two. Maybe one two answer. I don't know. Maybe I lost connection.
3: Now it says two.
1: Yeah, there you go. Ah, it's Don. Yeah, Don Larson threw a perfect game after there was like no no hitters for 35 years, and he did a perfect game in the World Series in, I think, 1956.
3: So I went with the late, great Colorado native Roy Halladay. Um, mm-hmm. I couldn't remember if it was a perfect game or a no hitter. I guess it was a no hitter. Um, obviously, Roy Arvada West passed away a few years ago, but that game he had for the Phillies—I think it was against the Reds. Jake, also memorable, but I guess it wasn't perfect. It was a, those
1: were uh, the only two no hitters in Major League Baseball history in the postseason.
3: Okay, so I was mm-hmm. I was on the right track. I just yeah, forgot
1: no the perfect game part.
0: All right. Yeah, fifty-six. There, there you go. 1956. We love the black and white photos. Crazy how far puzzle. all of our photography yeah. game has come. What's the order of the postseason rounds from beginning to end?
1: Oh, so how do I do this? Yeah, like which way do, does it go, you know?
0: I believe top.
1: Oh, you drag them, Jake. You drag no. them. But like which way would the would the last round be? The last round should be at the bottom. I would. Okay, almost... that's what I'm thinking yeah. too. Okay. If it doesn't give it to you, I'll
0: give it to you if we do it the wrong way.
1: All right, I'm fast. I'm in. Okay, okay, good.
0: All right, we did it. Boom. Good. Bravo, everybody. Bravo. All right. There's our podium.
3: Good work, Timo. Timo. Appreciate Timo. Timo. you.
0: Thank you for playing with us. Will coming in at number two. Jake coming in at number one. All right, so I think we're going to have to do this for some other sports, too. I think this is fun. This is something we could definitely add in. But thank you all for hanging out with us and enjoying We'll take this screen off. Yeah, that was that was fun, you guys. That's something, obviously, I had never heard about. I never knew. Nathaniel Hackett teaching us all something. You know, the energy, we love it.
3: Yeah, that was cool. I'll forever be mad at the Oakland A's uh, for leaving, <laughs> and there's only four California teams, and I knew I was forgetting one. Uh, but I got to give Jake credit. The, the Don Larson, Roy Halliday toss-up. I went the wrong way. He got it. Ten for ten. Pretty impressive.
1: Yeah. So, uh I'm disappointed that I was only 10 for 10 because I took American history through baseball my freshman year of college, and I got 107% in the class.
3: (laughs) So you needed a 10.7 for 10 on uh, Kahoot today.
1: Exactly. So I've gotten worse with my baseball knowledge in the last decade.
0: (laughs) Well, next time we'll have to do advance of some sort, but that is going to do it. Last thing, gentlemen, score predictions, I have to ask for tonight. We've got Ron in the comments. He's saying Avs win tonight 4-2. Jake?
1: You know, I've got the Colorado Avalanche winning tonight. I also agree with you. The vibes are off, but I'm going to say they win via an empty netter, 6-4. Uh, it's going to be tight all the way through.
3: Yeah, you know, dmac sort of hinted at it that the Oilers have been good in game twos. Let's not forget the abs have not been good in game twos against Nashville. It took them to overtime to get a two, one win and against St. Louis, they lost four one in their worst game of the playoffs thus far. I hate to do it, but I'm just going to be honest. I've got the Oilers seven, five tonight.
0: I've got the Oilers six, three tonight. So we will see Jake being the positive Polly in the group, but Jake, we appreciate it. will also to you, thanks for hopping on. Um, and thank you, everybody, for hanging out with us this morning on Coffee Break. Both Will and I will be on with James Merrill as soon as the final horn goes tonight after Game 2, whether they get a win or a loss. And then we'll see everybody back tomorrow morning, 10.30 a.m. for another edition of Coffee Break. Bye, everyone.